0: will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to this bonus episode of She Said, She Said podcast. Over the next few weeks, I'm gonna be taking a break. But I'll be sharing a few repackaged past episodes, just a few that really resonated with listeners and that generated so much great feedback. The topic of this week's episode is a personal favorite of mine. It's about the power of story and how we can learn to use our stories effectively to build a strong brand. But. It's also, and this is my favorite part, it's also about how stories, especially the ones that we tell ourselves, can be so important to our overall mindset and they can directly impact how we see the world. Who better to guide us in this conversation than professional storyteller and author Kendra Hall, who actually joined me in episode 166. I have repackaged that episode and edited it down for time just a bit. You can always go back and listen to the full episode if you'd like to. Again, it's episode 166. You'll find it on my website at she she said shesaidshesaidpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Here is the repackaged episode with Kendra Hall. Today we're talking about the power of story and how harnessing it can be an important part of your influence strategy. I'm talking about knowing how to create stories that help you both attract and retain an audience, stories that help you build support for a cause, stories that help you get invited to dinner parties, stories that win deals. It's a skill. And my guest today is a master at understanding and harnessing that skill and helping you do the same. Kendra Hall is a professional storyteller. She started winning awards as a child when she captivated audiences with her ability to tell a story. She took that talent and turned it into a career which includes not only keynote speaking about storytelling and the power of story, but also online courses, a successful podcast, and two books so far. Kendra's first book is entitled Stories That Stick, How Storytelling Can Captivate Customers, Influence Audiences and Transform Your Business. That book debuted at number two on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list and Forbes Magazine said it may be the most valuable business book you will read. Pretty high praise. Her second book is slated for release in January, 2022. It's entitled Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out. It echoes a topic that we talk about on this podcast so much this idea of mindset. In today's conversation, though, we're going to dig into the power of story and talk about how to harness it to build influence. But we also will talk about how Kendra took her talent and turned it into something that provides a unique offering for others, despite naysayers who questioned her along the way. It's a really important component of Kendra's story. And now my conversation with Kendra Hall. Kendra, welcome to She Said, She Said.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm just thrilled to be here.
0: I'm so thrilled to have you. I have been a big fan, not only of your book, the first book that was out, but also your terrific podcast called Success Stories, Uh, which I really enjoyed. I know you've transitioned out. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, but I'm really happy to have you here today.
1: Oh, I... I as we were talking just briefly before, it's so great when two podcasters come together. So,
0: (laughs) Female podcasters. Exactly, even more so. (laughs) Yes. Okay, let's jump in. You are a professional storyteller. I am. And you help others master this craft. I'd love for you to talk about why storytelling, when it's done well, really matters.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, there are so many different layers to the power of storytelling. And more and more, they're being revealed, I think, every day. Um, Stories are how we connect to people. They're how we relate. They're how we make sense of ourselves and the world around us. And I remember one of the First times, you know, as we look back on our lives and, and we have these different. Moments. Um, And it's only when looking back, we're like, oh, that was a moment. But I remember I was in the minivan with my family. Uh, I grew up in northern Minnesota. So we were, I grew up in Minnesota, and then we had a cabin in northern Minnesota. So we would drive to the cabin on the weekends. And my dad was listening to sports on the radio. My mother was trying to read a book, complaining that my dad was listening to sports on the radio. I was reading a book. My sister was asleep. My younger sister, she always fell asleep. And my brother was listening on his little cassette Walkman to a tape. And we didn't really know what the tape was. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, But he just kept laughing out loud intermittently throughout the car ride. And I'm an older sister. I'm annoyed by this. I'm like, why does this kid keep laughing? And so eventually it just became so disruptive, which, you know, if laughter can be disruptive, that we took the tape out of his cassette player and put it in the cassette player for the entire van. And it was a tape that was recorded at the National Storytelling Festival, an event that happens the first weekend in October in Jonesboro, Tennessee, where storytellers come, people who all they do is tell stories. It's not with agenda or marketing or for sales, um, but just to share stories and sure enough that cassette tape started playing and you had five different people me my brother my sister my mom and my dad and we were young and they were old and we all came to life from very different places if you think and i remember the whole car being united listening to these stories and it was one of those moments where You just realize in the disjointedness of life and work and people and chaos, a story really is a thing that can bring people from all different walks of life. Now, of course, I mean, it was my family. We're similar in many ways, Uh, but that is a a power that no matter if you're in a minivan, no matter if you're in a boardroom, no matter if you're in the shower and you're talking to yourself, just in your own head about your stories of who you are and what you're about. um, Stories really, I mean, they run the world.
0: Yeah. I love what you just did there because you illustrated the power of story Uh, (laughs) with a story.
1: (laughs) I can't help it. I can't help it. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There you go. You got me. You caught me.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you got your start. You recognize this power of story, but when was when did that moment happen when you knew this was going to be something for you? And how did you get started?
1: Um, it was, again, it was a series of moments. I would have these standout experiences that um, it started when I was very young. I told my first story as an assignment in fifth grade um, and, again, watched everybody like I could hold them in the palm of my hand as I was telling them stories. I studied storytelling in college and for my master's thesis, examining the role of stories in organizational culture, like how it, and this was even before culture was such a big and important word, or it was, but I feel like it's only gained um, more importance in the, in the meantime, but watching Within an organization, how stories shape the understanding of who we are and what we do. Um, At the same time, I grew up going to, after we heard that cassette tape of the National Storytelling Festival, I started attending the festival. I entered a competition where the prize was you got to tell at this storytelling festival. So Then I started going to storytelling conferences and more festivals and really seeing, and I think that's a big difference between myself and, because a lot of people now, especially in business, are recognizing and espousing the value of storytelling. But I didn't come to storytelling first from business or marketing. I came first from sitting in tents at the feet of great storytellers. Uh, But I think, you know, there are many moments where we realize that, oh, maybe this really is something. Um, And the distance between the realization and when it really comes to can be, uh, there could be a a whole lot of space between those two places. But I think that one of the big moments for me was I was in a sales role, in a marketing role, and I had to deliver, for my role at the company, I had to deliver a keynote presentation. And it was really my first one, but it wasn't my own. It was mine, but it was in this role. And I really spent the majority of that time telling stories. And here was this motivated, um, hyper you know ambitious crowd and you wonder you second guess yourself are the, are they going to listen to the stories and they devoured it and i think that was one of those moments where i thought maybe uh, more people need to hear about this
0: yeah what do you think is the uh, sort of oftentimes missing link what, what what is it that makes a story Really resonate with an audience versus kind of that missing piece. Where do you find that magic? Because I, you know, I personally, I think it's really hard to tell a good story. And I think for a lot of people, your, yourself mm-hmm. in particular, you have a a talent and a gift. And part of that is captivating your audience, but it's telling and sharing a message that ties into a key point. Mm -hmm. But how do you learn to do that? And what is it about this craft of storytelling that sometimes people get wrong?
1: Well, I think you could even see it right there. Uh, If you were to play back these first two responses that I gave, um, the first one, and I can criticize myself i know you know like i can critique myself uh, the first, i think you
0: did great
1: well, so so the first one the first one i told a story and i told about the minivan and what we were feeling and what was happening and my guess is Laura you were and the listeners too you were in a mini were you sitting in the minivan with me were you for you sure were, you were picked, so so that so so. in what i'm to answer your question so that was a story Then if you were to go back and listen to my response to your second question, when you were asking, you know, when did you really get started? I kind of, I didn't tell a story. I told like maybe a mini, like like the beginning of a story where I was giving a keynote at a sales conference, but I didn't, like you probably weren't in the audience with me or on the stage with me. And I, I talked about that I had these different credentials and this fascination so so that's where people go wrong is mm-hmm. it, but but an average person would say that that second response I gave was oh she was telling her story no i wasn't i was just telling you about me but you're not going to remember that answer the same way you remembered my first answer and that's where people miss it is they don't tell a story. So let me, can I share with you another story?
0: Yes, please. Just
1: last night, I um, had the opportunity to go see this show on Broadway called Freestyle Love Supreme. And basically it is a musical improv. It was started by Lin-Manuel Miranda and they use the audience. You yell out words and then the actors and musicians on stage act it all out. Well, at one point in the show, they call out to the audience and they say, Give us a word. Um, We need a word of something that you cannot live without, something that just you love, like is a part of your life. Now, this is coupled with a couple exercises before that. They were like, what are the things that are really bothering you right now? And one woman yelled out, fake pockets, which women, right? Like what? (laughs) And so they did this whole skit about fake pockets, which was hilarious and amazing. Yes. Okay it was supposed to be something you can't live without. And the audience yelled things like money, which they thought was funny, chocolate. uh, You know, there was like affection. They started yelling things out. And someone up in the mezzanine from the back yelled storytelling. And I was there with my girlfriends and they all, you know, and they all like start <laughs> elbowing me and I'm like, I, I didn't, I have nothing to do with this. And then, so then the actors choose one of the words. So they could have chosen uh, money. They could have chosen chocolate, and but the one woman said, "I want to do. I'm choosing storytelling." And so then she starts. They 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 make up this song. So there are three actors on stage. The first actor. Well, the first actor tells a story in musical form he's rapping it about his family being in san francisco while he's here on broadway and how every night when the show ends he races to the dressing room because it's earlier there to read them up to read his daughters a book over facetime and now they've actually moved to new york but they're trying to get adjusted and they miss their friends and and this whole and so it has you're picturing the daughters you're you're picturing him backstage reading the book you're And then the other two and so it was just right like i can almost i could recite it back to you um the other two did a great job however what they said the first said i want to hear the stories from my grandparents i want to be able to tell the stories from where i came from talking about storytelling and Mm -hmm. then the third actor all he just kept saying is i'm telling my story this is my story this is my story but just saying, you're telling a story isn't telling a story. Now, right. they so so again. That's that's the difference. Is yeah. is where people get it wrong. Is they think they're telling a story because they say, "I am telling a story." Um, yeah. But there, there is, there's more to it. It needs those, and in stories that stick, I talk about the four key components that make a story great and it's having identifiable characters which in all of the in the two story examples that I gave you um my own story in the van and the story of the guy on stage like you were picturing his daughters and you're hearing this second hand from me like I'm barely right. tr- I'm trying to remember what he said last night but I I can I can it needs so identifiable characters authentic emotion there needs to be Em, real emotion in it um a moment a an opportunity for the listener to see themselves in the story and then to drive it home um very specific details so even me describing the cassette tape um the walkman you were probably picturing that the mm-hmm. gentleman on stage last night said the title of the book that he was reading to his daughters. Now, I distinctly realize that his daughters are a different age than my kids because it was the title of a book that I don't know, but other people were laughing about it because they have kids that age and they're all reading that book to their kids. Long answer, but hopefully that helps to illustrate the the biggest missed opportunity.
0: Completely, completely. I think it's the perfect illustration. I absolutely love it. OK, so this season on She Said, She Said podcast, we're doing a deep dive into the levers that help us build influence. Mm. And storytelling, I think, is a one of the perfect elements of this idea of how we build influence. But I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you see that connection between personal influence and storytelling. Mm.
1: I mean, I think that because stories are programmed into who we are as humans, they are the most powerful and at the same time, when used for good um, and not lying. Okay, so storytelling is not lying. Okay, it's not making things up, Um, but also the most authentic Um, if you think about the people that you are influenced most by, they are people that you feel like you know. And when we feel like we know someone, we trust them or we don't. But if it's, you know, let's go down the path of we feel like we trust them, we feel like we like them more, we can relate to them. And that that is all those are necessary ingredients for influence. So in terms of outward influence, storytelling is is an obvious choice. Additionally, I think some of the most especially for women, the most important people we need to influence are ourselves. And and, right. and to like influence us to to take that risk or to to move in this direction or to you know like like how do we it, it need like it influ- internal influence is equally as important because if you aren't fully influenced by your own personal power and who you are and and what you're here to do outside of anyone else um how can you ever effectively influence outwardly so so i've found the personal influence the internal influence is a journey um or certain just like most things are but that's what i would say how storytelling is important on those two very different but equally as essential levels
0: yeah i i i love that and it it obviously takes us into your second book Choose your story, change your life, which I want to talk about in a second. But it but it's it's a really interesting lead up to that idea of the, you know, leading to the stories that we tell ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that and before going to talk a little bit more about the outward influence as well, because I said the word and I heard myself say it, the word authenticity, um, w- which is a big buzzword in business and one that that women are paying very close attention to. Um, we also have vulnerability. How do you, you know, how do you show your humanness? Um, and I think that again, business is all about people. And instead of and. and and the wholeness, so you will be more equipped to influence people if they have a better sense for the wholeness of you as a person. The problem is we often edit that wholeness out. And a way to bring it back in our humanness is to be consciously sharing stories. I mean, almost systematically to be like, oh, this week I have a, our weekly meeting I need to make sure that I open it and or close it with a story, a story about me, a story about something that happened that week. And maybe it ties into like the key message of the meeting that week, but really seeing each one of those opportunities as an opportunity to re-inject humanness, which then only leads to more authentic influence.
0: Right, right. I want to I want to state something that I think should be obvious, but that I think often isn't. And it's that your story is not just a story to connect with somebody, even though that's a helpful thing, but it's a story with a purpose. Yes. There's a reason why you're telling the stories that you're telling, and it's leading to a point. And I think that that's oftentimes the piece that sometimes misses, that people tell all sorts of stories, yeah. and you're like... Why the heck did they just tell me that story? Yeah. Right.
1: And and what it, because yes, there are stories that are designed just for connection. And then there are the stories that are strategically placed to illustrate a point to encourage a particular, to encourage and influence a particular behavior. And sometimes, I mean, most times I find it it happens that we are, we are more, we will take more action. We are more persuaded by the stories we hear than by the list of logical reasons why we should take this action. And I also Mm -hmm. think that there's a really cool, it's a technique I like to use a lot um, is that story gives you this opportunity to respond and maybe even direct action, but doing it indirectly, almost like suspending suspending your preferred uh, path forward so that the other person has ownership in making that decision. So you can tell this is unrelated to business, but I had a woman write me on Instagram and she, I had just taken my family to Hamilton. It was a big goal of ours. It was something very celebratory, especially having survived or continuing to survive the pandemic here in New York City. To be able to take my kids to Broadway to see Hamilton was a very big deal. A woman wrote me and said, my son has been, loves every, knows every word, loves the show. Like what? But I can't, his birthday's coming, or his graduation's coming up or something. Is this, it's just so expensive. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. And I, can't, I don't know how much money. Those tickets are obscenely expensive. Like, that's a, right. that's a judgment we all have to make for ourselves. I can't tell her what to do. I think it would make a great gift. Um, so instead, I wrote back with a story of a time in high school, someone gifted me tickets to the show that I knew every word to. It was rent. Um, uh-huh. And that I still remember exactly what it looked like, what it felt like to be sitting in that theater when the curtains opened. And it's something I will never forget. And the gratitude is still tip of tongue. So there, right there, I didn't say, go buy the tickets. I was like, I can't tell you whether or not you should buy the tickets. Here's a story. And she was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. And I think
0: she probably went and bought the tickets. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I think it's worth it, too. <laughs> but you're right. It it's is It's also expensive.
1: on Disney Plus. So there you go.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the process that you go through. And you mentioned this a couple minutes ago, talking about the importance of reflection as you think about your stories, right? What's your process for developing stories and thinking sort of thinking through those points and generating that material that you can pull from what kind of process do you go through for that
1: um it for me it varies i am constantly um right now a lot of what i'm doing is watching the stories that are that are happening Um, right in front of me. So you really have two options when it comes to story materials, stories that happened in the past and you remember them or stories that are happening right here in front of you and you notice them. So actually that story about the show I went to last night, I just remembered it when I woke up and like jotted down Resale Love Supreme, two people didn't tell a story, one person did. And I have a little notebook that I just like keep, I keep my little (laughs) stories in. So, so that, that's, there's one side of it where it's having stories available. Um, And, and in terms of the story process, I often think about like, what is the theme? If I need a particular story for something, what is the Mm -hmm. message I want to deliver And then what is a story I could tell to illustrate that message? So it's that combination. And remember, it's finding the stories, uh, an event that has it, that there's a moment, that there's characters, that there are emotions. And sometimes it's harder to find than others. Um, I was actually just looking for a story, trying to find a story just earlier today. And I went out to the living room and I... Said to my husband, Hey, I need a story about this. And I'm drawing a blank because a lot of times our stories don't sound like stories to us. They just sound like life, right? And so we right. don't see them for distill. And, and if that can happen to me as <laughs> the person who's a professional <laughs> storyteller, it could certainly happen to you. But I went out to get kind of that outside perspective. And I said, What are, and then he gave me. He gave me a few ideas. It was like, okay, now I can go back and find like specific moments, specific events in my life to use as stories. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I, I think that's great. You also do an amazing job on your Instagram. You're Kendra with an I, K-I-N-D-R-A yeah. Hall on Instagram. But you do a great job of illustrating this power of story through your Instagram where you're telling little vignettes with some regularity. And I, I love that. I think that's how I originally found you. And then I found success stories. But I would urge folks listening to take a look at Kendra's Instagram because it's really, it's really terrific. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about building a career as a storyteller. And I've heard you talk about the fact that when you first thought about making this a career, there were lots of people who second-guessed you. Well, is that really a real thing? And, um, you know, how do you, how do you, is this a real job? How did you deal with that second-guessing as you were trying to get your start?
1: I mean, I don't think second-guessing is easy for anyone, you know, when you're second-guessed about something, especially when, you know, when you're just, when I was just getting started, I didn't know for sure. Like I was making it up. I, I didn't, I didn't know. And so, um, so it was, it was hard. I remember at the time uh, when these, so I had left my job, my plan was to start this company for storytelling, but I didn't really know what it was going to be or what was going to happen. And then a week after I quit my job, I found out I was pregnant. Um, And of course, we were delighted, but it kind of meant then that my made up job would. (laughs) <laughs> the baby took all of that brain. I mean, my son, my firstborn is brilliant and I think he stole it from me. Like now that I think about it, I'm like, you took that. Cause here I was like, I wasn't working and I was trying to figure out. So it went through so many different iterations. Um, and then when I finally, then I had a second child and, and then I wrote a book of stories and that, you know, I was trying to find my way. And then I finally decided that I was going to teach people how to do storytelling. And yes, I had friends come and say, who's going to buy that? Like, what even is that? And I I think that what I did, and this is something that I recommend to everyone, is I didn't know if it was going to work or not, but I was very aware. So two things. Number one in those moments of self-doubt, um, I would go back and very consciously look at my life and pull up some of those very key moments that sometimes just get lost in the, you know, they, they aren't key unless you identify them or peg them or choose them as key stories. Right, right. But like the time that I told a story on a whim for a talent show for the Minnesota State Fair talent show and ended up making it to the final round and was telling a fairy tale to 15,000 people like and got second place because I went a little over time. I do that from time to time. Um, or like the that my boss at the Outback Steakhouse when I was in college, he was just this like hot-headed Costa Rican guy found out that I did this storytelling thing, and then he would have me tell stories to his key guests, which were the movers and shakers of Fargo, North Dakota, because the Outback Steakhouse was the the fanciest restaurant there was. He would have me go to the tables while I was – have somebody else bring the Diet Coke to my table and have me tell stories in the Outback. Like, there have been – I, and those are just – there have been time after time after time of happenings in my life. And I think anybody, if you were to look back over the course of your life and look for these and see them as stories, that it was like, this was destined to be, like this is, and I'm a big believer in destiny and like, and trying to find your way there. And these were the, in the new book, I call them the, the, the bricks on my yellow brick road to whatever this emerald city was for me and so i would tell myself these stories of listen i don't know where i don't know how much farther i have to go to the emerald city i'm not even really sure what it looks like or who's there or how yeah. to get in but i have these stories that are showing me that this is the path i'm supposed to be on um so that was a key thing and i think that's really mm-hmm. important anytime you're facing self-doubt or you're trying to build confidence kind of like dorothy in her like. The, it's in you already. You just have yeah. to choose to see it for that. And then the second thing that I've, I feel like I've always been pretty good at, we all have our moments, I mean, 2020 being one of them, is um, understanding these pauses, these questions, these is that really going to work um, as the middle of the story. Like, and what if you did just stop reading in the middle and you're like, I don't know how that's going to like, don't you, don't you want to see? And yeah, the middle is the part where you're like, where you, you, you want it to, you want it to, you want to see what happens next.
0: Yeah. And, and just being willing to to put faith in yourself and, and in these moments. That's really, it's really great advice. So the, the, your second book is coming out in January of 2022. Mm-hmm. We allude, we talked a little bit about that at the beginning of the conversation, but I'd love for you to talk about why did you decide to write this second book? Yeah. It's. I'm really, I have to say, I'm really excited to read it. I've been reading the little excerpts, but I'm really looking forward to to reading it because it taps into something we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is, you know, a, a version of this idea of mindset, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. In, in your case, it's the stories you tell yourself, but it's it's also, it's the mindset yep. that you're approaching the experiences that you're having with. So talk about why this book, when was that moment where you're like, okay, this is the book I have to write? You next?
1: know, it's funny that you ask because the book I planned to write next, it, that seemed like a very natural progression as I was, had released stories that stick and you know, you're, when you're a writer, you start thinking about what's next. And I kind of, my thought was that I would write um, stories that stick, but like the leader like a more, Mm -hmm. like more in depth on leadership or even women and like how women, Mm -hmm. professional women can use stories. That's what logically made the most sense. But I started to notice even when I was on stage or when I was posting on Instagram or whenever I would talk about this idea of watching the stories I'm telling myself or, you know, making different choices in what stories I tell to help get me through a particular barrier or, um, a limiting belief that those were the messages that lit up. Like I would get all the response to it and people started. come. And so it was a little bit risky from a publishing standpoint, if I'm completely honest. Um, I'm an mm-hmm. author. I went in to have a, like a conversation with my publisher, hoping that they would sign me again, but it seemed like it is a slight deviation. It, it, it still is right. storytelling, but it's more personal development. Of course, the stories we tell ourselves definitely impact our careers and our professional lives. Um, but they too were like this is, this is exactly, and this was before 2020. You know, so mm-hmm. so they were like, no, this is this is the book that needs to be written now. Of course, the challenge with that was is I. I had been using it myself, this method, uh, helping my friends through it, you know my family, but I had a lot of catching up to do in terms of having it book ready. I felt um, right. there was a lot of self-doubt a lot of imposters which let me tell you it is <laughs> really it, it adds it, it adds a little extra kick to it when your book deals a lot with, the stories you tell yourself and self-doubt and imposter syndrome and the, the things that you say that you can't, and you're struggling with all of those things as you're uh-huh. writing a book about. <laughs> so it was very, I mean, I'm exhausted. I will say that. Um, but yeah, I think it was really, i it was the book that seemed, it wasn't the book I was planning to write, but I think it was the book that needed to be read.
0: Yeah. Okay. Last one, single piece of advice life hack or mantra? Maybe it's something that you wish you could tell 24-year-old Kendra, or maybe it's a life hack that you especially like, or it's a mantra that you tell yourself. What would be um yours?
1: Mine is definitely, and it, it sounds cliche, but go with me here. It's to be you. Um, in, in so many different ways, you know, when you're the storyteller, that doesn't make any sense to people. Um when you're really when you're a really enthusiastic person in in a world that is everyone kind of wants you to be muted. Uh, I remember even back at the beginning of my as I was hoping to become a keynote speaker, watching videos of other speakers to see what they were doing. And of course I it was usually videos of men because there weren't that many female keynote speakers. And even the way they moved across the stage, I was like, how do they move like that? And I'm like, oh, cause they're in loafers and I feel most powerful in heels. Like it was, right. but when I was trying to, I mean, success leaves clues. So it's good to watch others and, and gather and gather that information. But what I've learned time and time again is while there may be clues from other people, I still have to be me. Even if it doesn't make any sense to anyone else, I have to be me. And any time, now I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm like, ah, this is me, like what do you want? I'm pretty good at that. But at 24, I would tell my 24 year old self she needed to hear me.
0: I love that. What a perfect answer and a perfect way to end this great conversation. I've so enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: Thank you so much for your your great
0: questions. And thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, friend, I hope you enjoyed this repackaged episode with Kendra Hall. You'll find the complete uncut episode at episode 166. Uh, which you can easily find on my website at She Said, She Said Podcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'd love to know what you thought about her perspective on storytelling and how you think about the power of story in your own life. As always, friend, I'm grateful that you're here. Until next time, you take care. She Said, She Said Podcast is produced weekly by She Said, She Said Media.